Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Lindsay Lane East. Welcome to our friends who are joining us online. I hope you all had a, a good start to the day, a soggy start to the day, but a good one nonetheless. Let's all stay to our feet as we uh, prepare our hearts for worship, prepare our hearts to hear from him. Uh, we had a good message today, so I hope you all came with expectant hearts. So uh, let's go ahead and jump on into worship. Here we go. Great. 
Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Oh, pray. 
Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we're so thankful for who you are and what you've done for us through Jesus Christ. And we can join together as a church in one voice and praise the name of Jesus. Father, as we open your word this morning, I pray that you would speak to us today. Speak through your Holy Spirit, as your word promises. God, as we continue in this study, that we continue forward as a church body, unified, to give you all the glory. Father, we pray for Heath as he brings this message. We pray you would speak through him, through your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for his preparation. We know that you've had the opportunity to speak to him first. God, open our ears and our hearts to your truth this morning. Help us to see our need for a Savior, for Jesus, every day. Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' holy name. for being here. Um, if this is your first, if you're new here, in the back of the seat in front of you is a card. We call it our Connect card. Today we have a special gift that we'd love to give you today. Uh, if you'll take that card, fill out as much info as you feel comfortable with, drop it by Next Steps, which is in the lobby, uh, two kiosks out there. Uh, we would love to give you some information about our church and also your very own Lindsay Land East t-shirt. And so we would love to, to hook you up with that just to thank you for being here. And um, Today's going to be a good day. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we'll be here in just a moment. This summer, we've been returning to some very basic truths from the book of Ephesians. And um, I believe these are truths that we need to understand more fully if we expect to follow Christ as closely as possible. And I'm already tongue-tied. Last week, we looked at how the Christian is supposed to walk. Um, that's like the most cliche, churchy thing to say, the Christian walk. But we saw last week, it was actually a biblical idea. Um, Paul says in the book of Ephesians, uh, four ways that we're to walk. He says to walk in unity, to walk in love, to walk in light, and to walk in wisdom. And so if you missed any any of these sermons or last week's, you can find those on Facebook, YouTube. Um, we actually have a podcast, too, if you prefer audio only while you're cutting grass or whatever. Uh, you can find that as well on our website. But... Last week, um, of the four ways that, that the Bible calls us to walk as Christians, three of those are very personal, right? Um, and we talk about a lot here at church, uh, your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'll argue that that is the most important thing as a believer, is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you walking closely with the Lord? And is, uh, are, you, are you desiring Him? Are you learning about Him? Are you pursuing Him, praying to him, reading his word, all of those things. That's absolutely the most important relationship in your life. But it's not the only one. And But if the, if the personal relationship is of utmost importance, what role is the church supposed to play in that? Right? Can't you just hang out at the house and not have to come be around a bunch of weird people? Y'all are weird. I am too. Okay? But like, wouldn't it be easier just to stay at home and to study and to... To just grow in your relationship with Christ. Uh, I would argue in some ways, yes, but I would argue biblically, no. It's actually not what 
Christ has called us to do and it's not. So today we're actually going to look at what is the purpose of the church? What is the church and how does it work and why does it work? Uh, so I'm going to read the passage, uh, a very familiar passage. Um, if you've been around since I started here in January 2020, we've looked at this before, these, this passage, and it's one that we'll continue to look at probably every 12 to 18 months because I think um, there's a lot in here uh, that speaks to the way that, that God's called me to lead as a pastor. So let's begin in verse 7 of chapter 4. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, uh, this is a quote from the Old Testament, Psalm 67 and 68. When he ascended on high, he took the captives captive. He gave gifts to people. But what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens to fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. And God, I thank you that uh, we can stand um, on it, God, that it is 100% true. And uh, God, I pray that today that you would help us to understand it. Um, God, to make application to our own lives and God, to, to our uh, existence as a church. Um, God, we're so thankful that you've called us to not only do life with you, but to do life together. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help us today to grow as a church in our understanding of what we're supposed to look like. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, this morning, I believe what Paul is talking about here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 through 13, is really giving us a formula for what the church is supposed to look like. And I'm a math person. Any other math people just say, hey, or something like that? Okay, thank you. Um, there's more of you in the second service, uh, more math-minded people in the second service. I don't know, does that mean that we sleep in later? I don't know the case. But thank you for being here, and thank you for raising your hand. Um, I believe, the reason I like math is that it always works. Amen? Amen. Like four plus four always equals eight. And like no matter how complicated the formula is, for the most part, without getting into really deep math that some of y'all got into that I didn't, um, there's always an answer, like a clear answer. You can always answer the problem. It's not like so many other uh, fields. And so I like math. I, I'm not trying to oversimplify what the church is supposed to be. I know it's a complicated thing that God has called us to do, and it's ever-changing. But how, however, I believe in Ephesians chapter 4, I believe there is some sort of almost equation that if we'll do things this way, good things will happen, and God will use us for His glory. And so the first part of the equation is this, Christ gives. We see that at the very beginning um, in, in chapter seven or verse 7. Grace was given... To each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Paul begins the section of the letter by making it clear that Christ has not abandoned his followers. Paul says that Christ has given his followers a gift of grace. Now, grace is a Bible word that simply means undeserving, it's an undeserving act. Right? To show grace is to give some to do something or give somebody something that they don't deserve. And so that's what Christ did. So Paul makes it clear, Christ hasn't just given him a gift. We know that Paul was a gifted dude. Read the letters, man. This dude's sharp. Paul, Paul, God used Paul to impact and to spread the gospel quickly in the first century. 
But Paul doesn't say just here that I've got a gift. Let me tell you about it. He says that Christ has given each one of us a gift. And so the question is, who is Paul talking about? Everybody on earth? Right? He just says each one of us. Who is he talking about? Everybody that's walking around? Everybody on earth? Um, again, we talked about this uh, on and on through this study, but this is a letter. Here's the deal. So often we look at the, the Bible as if it's books. Like you think of books. Books on your... You can go in my bookshelf, in my office right now. I've got books on the bookshelf. Don't ask me if I've read them. Not all of them. All right? They look good, though. They look good. Um, you're welcome to them. Anytime you want, just bring them back. Um, but, like, we think of the books of the Bible like that. Like, this was written, and it was just binded by itself, and here it is, and it's a book. That's not, this was a letter. Paul literally wrote a letter to real people. The book of Ephesians, what we call the book of Ephesians, is a correspondence and it's a correspondence from Paul and his team of church planners to either one house church in Ephesus or more than likely a bunch of them. And so when Paul writes this, he's writing to a local body of believers, a church. So when Paul says each one of us has been given a gift, he does not mean everybody on earth. He means those who have trusted in Jesus, those who are part of the church. Today, if, if Christ has saved you, he gave you more than a get-out-of-hell-free card. Okay? That's a, that's a big bonus. <laughs> but that's not what Christ, that's not all the reason that Christ died. He also died so that he could gift you with something unique and special to be used for the kingdom here on earth before we reach eternity. These gifts that, that God gives um, through Christ... We see them laid out, and this is not a message about spiritual gifts, um, but there's a lot of different gifts that are laid out in the Bible that we hear about. But essentially, here's the way I would define a spiritual gift. It's a unique indwelling of the Spirit for you that allows you to be effective for the kingdom. I believe that's what it is. And I think any we get any more honed in than that, we can eh, we get a little hairy. But I believe God has gifted each one of us in a unique way to make an impact for the kingdom. And that's what a spiritual gift is. And so um, it's more than a get-out-of-hell-free card. He has gifted you something that Paul's going to talk about is super important here in just a moment. The next verses, verses 8 through 10, uh, seem weird. I hope y'all are okay with me saying parts of the Bible seem weird. Because if y'all haven't read it, parts of the Bible seem weird. Okay, so 8 through 10, I have forever just preached 7 and then 11 through 13 because 8 through 10 seems so out of place. But again, studying this week, um, verses 8 through 10, uh, they've been studied deeply by a lot of people for a long time. But, and, but, but what I've always tried to do is just look at these verses and try to figure out what's going on. But remember, context matters. We talk about that all the time. Paul is, uh, these verses can't be studied alone. So when you take 8 through 10 and you smack them right where they are between 7 and 11 through 13, what we're seeing is that Paul is making a, a, using a visual to prove his overall point. Look at this. Uh, verse 8 is actually pulling from Psalm 67 and 68. And the, 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 uh, the psalmist is writing this, and he's portraying a hero who's riding back from battle after a victory. And he's got his, not only, not only is he coming back from victory, but he's got prisoners of war with him. He's got prisoners of war that they've captured. And then he's got chariots and wagons full of spoils, spoils, spoils. 
Sorry. Spoils. Spoils. Whatever. Good stuff. He's got good stuff. And he comes back into town and the hero doesn't keep the good stuff. He distributes it. You see. That's what's going on in Psalm 67 and 68. Paul's making a connection that Christ has won the battle. And he's distributing the wealth to all of us. This is not a political sermon, okay? Don't, don't worry about it, okay? But what I'm saying is that Christ died so that hell and death could be defeated. And part of that victory is now coming back to his followers and distributing what was gained. And that which is gained is the gift of the Holy Spirit in us. That's the spoils. Spoils. Golly, it's going to mess me up. It's not again in the sermon. Don't worry about it. And so the question is, if this is what gifts are, um, can't we just use them like outside the church? Right? And absolutely, your gifts can be used outside the church. Um, you can go find a 501c3, which is just a nonprofit organization, and you can use God's gifts. Um, our ladies are going to be working this afternoon uh, from 3 to 5 at uh, the closet, which is, I'll talk about that at the end, but really, really cool. Right? 501c3, awesome organization. There's other cool stuff that you can do. You can use your gifts in other places. But your gifts were uniquely given so that they could be used in this place as well as out there. Because there's something that happens in here that Paul goes into next. Paul says in verse 7, Each one of us have been given a gift. And then he says, and beginning in verse 11, that's what he says. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So Paul said all believers receive a gift of the Holy Spirit who are saved. And then he goes on to describe a few roles that were, that were in existence in the early church. In the first century, when Paul's writing this, there were four roles going on in the church. They were apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers. Okay? It's unique. Uh, when you look at the Greek, that last group is not two where it's, it's, it's pastor teachers, um, which is just for fun. Uh, nerd moment. But here's, here's the apostles. Let me just walk through just so you understand what these are. Apostles were a position in the early church of the highest calling. These are the ones who had actually met the resurrected Jesus. After Jesus died on the cross, was raised again. The, the, to be an apostle, you had to have had an interaction with the resurrected Jesus. Um, this mainly included the 12 disciples, or the 11 after Jesus killed himself, and then another one was brought in to Philip, the 12, and then Paul. Paul who had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus. So those 13 men were viewed mainly. There are others that come into the fold who had interactions with Jesus. But that's who the apostles were. And they're looked to as uh, they're highly regarded, and they're leading strongly in theology and practice. Like Those are the ones that everybody's looking to. And then there are prophets. Prophets are, are those who are called by God to speak to his people um, and call for repentance. Uh, they, they've existed from the early days of the Old Testament. Uh, the men who, who would step into the, the world of the Israelites and just tell them, you're sinning. Stop worshiping other gods. God has called you his people. Follow him instead of these others. And the, they stand and they... they they proclaim this message and they call for repentance. We see even in the New Testament that John the Baptizer, um, John the Baptist, if you prefer that, but he's this is what he did. He was a prophet who went to God's people and said, repent, stop doing what you're doing. 
A lot of people thought Jesus was just a prophet. And there, even in the New Testament, there are a few places where we see prophets being mentioned still speaking in the new, in, into the church. The third term is the term evangelists. This is a term that comes from the Greek word for good news, which can also be translated gospel, not the gospel. Um, but evangelist is a teller of the gospel, a teller of good news. And I know what you're thinking. Whoa, 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 whoa. So there are people that are supposed to do this, and I don't have to do it anymore? Sweet. I don't have to tell my neighbors and my coworkers about Jesus anymore? That's somebody else's job? No. All right. The Bible actually calls all of us to be evangelists in some sense. However, what we see in Scripture and what we see in practice is that there are some people that have been uniquely gifted to communicate the gospel in such a way that it clicks more effectively for people. There's a reason why Billy Graham saw hundreds of thousands or millions of people come to know Christ through his... I don't believe that was all emotion. I believe that was a work of God in a man to be used for his kingdom. Uh, Some of you may have been saved at a Billy Graham type event or somehow through his ministry. That's that's incredible. There are tons of other people, and they're not just all on stages. Right? I've known normal, everyday people who go to their workplace and, in, and can just explain the gospel in such a way that it makes sense. And y'all, I, I long for it. I, I do. I long for that gift. I ask God for that gift. God, help me be more effective in the way that I present the gospel. Sometimes I, I share the gospel with somebody and I think, this is it. And then I go, what you think about that? They're like, I don't know what in the world you're talking about, man. <laughs> Okay, all right, uh, so uh, anyway, but like, I, I, want, I want to be more effective, and I believe that's something that God can gift us. But there's some that are just extra effective in their delivery and their call for repentance as an evangelist. The fourth term is that pastor-teacher. And the way, again, the way the Greek reads um, has led many scholars to believe that this, these two words are supposed to go together and not translated as four and five on the list, but only four. So each of these roles references leaders of the early church. Paul's writing this letter. You got the apostles um, who are leading the church. Everybody's looking to them to know what to do. They're actually having like, uh, there's a thing called the Jerusalem Council where like the apostles get together and they're making big decisions about theology and what we believe about Christ, what we believe about um, what we're doing. It's really, really cool stuff. Uh, so we have these apostles working. We have prophets who are speaking words of wisdom and calling for repentance in churches. You got men like Philip who's the only man in the New Testament who's called an evangelist. He's Philip the evangelist. And if you know his story, like God picked him up one day and put him down on a road. (laughs) And there was a man traveling down the road from Ethiopia and Philip got to share the gospel with him. Like on the spot, just this crazy, weird, Holy Spirit moment. And he baptized him right there. Like it was just... Anyway, that's the kind of story of, stories evangelists have, just these crazy, wild stories in which God uses them. And that's what we see Philip doing. And then there are also pastor teachers who are shepherding congregations of house churches all over the known world. So why does Paul go from mentioning everybody gets a gift to then zoning in on these leaders in the church and talking about their gifting? Well, there's a very important reason why he does it. It's because the role of those leaders in the church are to equip the gifting. Look at verses 11 and 12 again. And he himself, we've already defined who the he himself is. That's Christ. 
He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastor teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So, interestingly, the word for equip that's used here is used other places to to speak of fixing something that is broken or supplying something that's in need, okay? Um, a, a visual that I found useful for what my role and other leaders in this church um, role is, is sharpening. That's to, to sharpen your gift. Now, what I'm not saying, what I don't believe Paul is saying, is that your gift comes from God with a defect, right? Y'all see these TVs on the wall back here? So the projector is about to kick it, okay? Not in a good way. Uh, it's about to be done. And so uh, we, we made the investment to, to put some TVs up that are going to allow us to continue to show you the words, continue to engage. Uh, it's going to be really cool. However, um, they don't work, which is always fun, right? Um, it's a wiring issue. It's not the TVs. But if it had been the TVs, I'd have been mad. Like, I hate spending as much as we did on a TV and it not working, right? I hate buying something that doesn't work. I'm not telling you that God has given you a broken gift. He's given you a gift that's broken and you've got to come to the pastor and let me fix it. It's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. But what, I don't believe that's what Paul's saying. But there is something very cool that happens when a believer filled with the Holy Spirit, desiring to use their gift for the sake of the kingdom, submits themselves to the teaching and leadership of their local church. This powerful gift is made more effective. I'll show it to you this way. And I hope y'all help me more than the first service did. How many of y'all remember the movie Friday Night Lights? Okay. Well, some of you, I'm going to ask some questions. Please help me. Okay. Um, All right. So Friday Night Lights, it was one of my favorite movies. It was at a formative, uh, Friday Night Lights came out at a formative time for me. Okay. It's like when I started playing football kind of. And so it was a football movie. Um, If you know the movie, then you know you get introduced to a high school football team, the Panthers out in Texas. And the most talented player is a guy they call Booby. No, wrong movie. Oh, Sam. All right. He did. He was very excited about it. Um, it's Booby Miles. Booby Miles is a running back, and he, he's, the, I mean, he's the star. Everybody's talking about him. He's going to go play D1 ball after high school. But Booby has a problem before the injury. What's his problem? Ego. Thank you, Steve. Ego. He has an ego. He he walks around like this. <laughs> in fact, when they start when they start practicing, they start playing in the game. Like he he does his own thing. He don't necessarily follow the play because he's that good. And that's what he does. He he he. That's his problem. As incredible as he was as a running back, he didn't play with the team. He didn't do as well as he could because he hadn't submitted to the game plan and used his talents within the parameters of the play calling. Now, he winds up coming around at the end after a bad injury. But my question for you guys that have watched it, is he any more talented of a running back by the end of it than he was at the beginning? Thank you, Kyle. No. 
He's no more better at the end than he was at the beginning. His, 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 we'll say, talent level was no better. However, he comes back and begins to play with the team. His skills are no more explosive, but he, but he worked within the system. His skills were sharpened, not made stronger. He, was, he allowed himself to be equipped by the team and by the team of coaches. And the same is true for us. The gift of the Holy Spirit that you received at salvation included an incredible focus towards a kingdom-impacting desire or ability. And hear me, it is powerful. The scriptures say the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. When it says that, it's referring to the Holy Spirit who came with him, the gifting that you've been given. That's a powerful gift. And there's nothing that I or any leader in this church or any church could do to make that gift more powerful. However, we can show you how it best fits here at East. And if you allow us to, we can help sharpen that gift by providing the teaching of God's word to it. But this is what God's called us to be as a church. When we do this, we see the glory of God as we work together as a team. Listen, it's not an issue of power. It's an issue of effectiveness. I can't make you any more powerful as a leader, but I, we can, as a church, help you be more effective. Now, uh, I'll talk about equipping for just a moment. Uh, this is not in my notes, so I'm going to try not to ramble, okay? Um, when, I, when I stepped into this role in January of 2020, um, it's like any role. You don't really know what you're getting into, right? You have no idea. I mean, they can give you a job description, but at the end of the day, you're going to be winging it for the first while, right? But I knew, coming into this role, I knew that God had uniquely called me to lead in a particular way. And every pastor, with God's help, has to define what it looks like to equip. How have I been gifted to equip? And I'm not the only one that equips here. We have leaders, other staff, and tons of lay leaders that don't make, don't, don't aren't staff members. But they help equip. The way that God has called me to equip, I believe, is to help you do these four things. It's to help you know who God is more fully. To help you know who you are more fully. To help you be able to read the Bible for yourself. And to show you how you fit in the kingdom. I believe those are the four, those are the four heartbeats of your pastor. Hopefully I got more than four. Wouldn't last long. <laughs> Two, three, and I'd be dead. All right. But those are the four things that, that I believe, that's that's what we talk about. If you've sat through more than one sermon, you think, you talk about the same stuff, Heath. Yeah, that's what I do. Because this is what I believe God has called us to do, to be effective. I'm, I've been called here to teach in such a way to equip you. This is where we can quickly misunderstand the text, though. Okay, If we quit here. We quit here. We stop reading. He himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints. We stop there, right? Who is the end user of the ministry of the church? Who's the, who's the reason why I preach? Who's the reason why we do the things that we do? It's you. You're here. That's not where Paul stops. Paul doesn't say it's my job as pastor and other leaders in this church to equip you, period. End of statement. 
But I think this is how we often treat the church. We want to come to get filled up. Like you go into a gas station. Right? Pull up. Pump the gas. In fact, it's like an old, yeah, old school. I'm not assuming y'all are going to get mad at me. When they used to, because there's, okay. When they used to pump it for you. That's been in my lifetime. They pump it for you. That's incredible. You just come in, we'll fill you up, and you head back out. You'll come back in on empty next Sunday, we'll fill you back up again. This is often how we view the church. But what if I told you that's an unbiblical view? Because, see, we treat the church also like it's, like it's a hospital or a doctor's office. You come in when you get sick and wounded, and you trust the professionals to make you better. Right? That's what we go to. But here's the deal. What if I told you that what Paul says is if, if the church is a hospital, you come in with scrubs on every day. You see it? You're on the payroll. This is a hospital. It can be, let's call it a hospital. This is where the sick come in and get their, ban- their wounds bandaged. This is where people that are, that are dying spiritually come in and receive life. That's what happens here. And sometimes you need that yourself, but you also have scrubs on. You're a nurse. You're a doctor. You're a technician. I don't know the terms, but you work for the hospital. That's what Paul says here. That's the kicker. Yes, this sermon may serve to, 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 God may use this sermon to give life to other people every single Sunday, but view this training, view this sermon for you as trainings and seminars and workshops that are going to help you do a better job. Because Paul says, it is not, he does not say pastors and teachers to equip the saints, period. He says, equip the saints for what? The work of ministry. The point is, you have a job here. You are not the end user of this church's ministry. You are the ministry itself. We do this thing together. You're note-takers. Everyone ministers. That's what Paul says. The reason the equipping is done is so that the saints can minister. And I know what you're thinking. I ain't no saint. You're not. In the Catholic term, the Catholic Church, I didn't know this, this is interesting. Catholic Church, uh, Roman Catholic Church, has uh, uses this term quite frequently. And they have, over time, set aside 10,000 plus or minus people who they've set aside as saints. Um, they've lived incredibly virtuous lives. And it's only after they're dead that you can be called a saint. Isn't that sad? Like, it'd be cool to be called a saint like, while you're alive. Anyway, but it's not. After you're, de- after you're dead, you can apply to the Roman Catholic Church. Someone can send your name in. Um, sorry. You can send your, somebody can send your name into the Roman Catholic Church um, to be, sorry, not apply. You don't apply. You're dead. All right. Um, but somebody can send your name in, and then they'll do this whole investigation thing, and then they'll decide about whether you are a saint, whether you can be called a saint or not. All right? That's a cool thing. But... That's not the way the Bible uses the word saint. The Bible does not use the word saint to, to be a reference to virtuous people who, who did something special for God. The Bible uses the term saint for all believers. Those who are being sanctified. That's what the word saint means. So that means that if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, guess what, baby? Saint. Saint. That's what we are. That's what we are. So, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. 
This is the beauty of Christ's design for the church. It was never supposed to be a few staff people serving the needs of the rest of the church. You know what that makes? Tired and worn out staff people. And you know what else it makes? Fat, spiritually, fat and lazy church members. Right? Now, praise God, that's, that does not define our church. Um, this Wednesday, Yesterday, 34 people from this body of believers, this small local church, 34 showed up to paint, pressure wash, and whatever else we needed to do at Harvest Elementary School yesterday. 34. There are churches three times our size that would die for 34 people to work day. So I know that this is not true of us. So this isn't, I'm not, this isn't an unhappy pastor sermon. Y'all know that, okay? I'm just telling you what the text says. This is where we are, Ephesians. So instead of a few staff people doing, serving the needs of the rest of the church, Paul says you are to help do the work. You've been given a gift already. You have a spiritual disposition for effective ministry. And then when you sit under the teaching of God's word at your local church and you get involved in a small group and you begin serving and you submit to the system and vision of the church, you'll see that effectiveness multiply. And then when that begins to happen, when a church full of people begin to do that, guess Paul doesn't quit there. There's not a period yet. It's a comma in my Bible. Something really cool happens. The body grows. The body grows. Ephesians 4.12 says that the, the pastors, the, the leaders in the church equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. Now, I am not qualified by this state or any state <laughs> to give you health advice. Okay? <laughs> um, I had a Dr. Pepper for breakfast. So, not the walking picture of health. However, what I do understand about health is that Being healthy is about putting the right things in your body and doing the right things with your body. Input and output. That's all I know. And if you get those two things right, you'll be healthy. As healthy as you can be, right? Our bodies still sometimes do whatever they want. But you can be, that's that's what health is. And we know that to be true physically. When I'm at my unhealthiest, I know a Dr. Pepper for breakfast is a bad idea. I still did it anyway, right? I know it's true. And the same is true for us as a church. The healthiest way for a church to grow is to be full of people that are doing this. They're putting in the right input. They're putting out the right output. Doing, listening to the right things, coming under the teaching of God's word at a local church, and then serving the right input, the right output. And if we'll all do that, it's going to be a lot of fun here on Nick Davis Road or wherever God might move us in the future. Right? Like this, this is going to be fun. And the big question becomes, when can we stop, Heath? Right? Because there's churches everywhere that are booming and growing. And then 10 years down the road, we're going to look and they're not going to be as healthy as they once were. And it's because every church, every church that doesn't submit themselves to the teaching of Christ will eventually putter out. Because the, for a number of reasons, we're not going to get into because that's not in the sermon. But a lot of things happen. And I believe a lot of it comes about because we're always looking for the end game. Right? I've told this to, to, to friends that are getting into ministry and 
especially people that are just going to find a job. I said, man, ask for a job description, right? Isn't it, isn't it wise to know what the job is you just applied for before you put your name in the hat? <laughs> Make sure they, you know uh, what you're going to get into. Here's the, and, and here's the deal with Christianity, though. It's never-ending. Like, there's no end date for you where you get to retire from being a follower of Jesus. <laughs> hey, I'm just going, I'm on coast now. I'm going to quit. If y'all need me, I'll be at the beach by myself, you know? I'm not saying you can't retire and travel or see people, right? But you got to keep doing ministry. you got to keep doing what God's called you to do. And I believe some churches quit. Their people quit. Their pastors stop equipping. The people stop doing the ministry for a number of reasons. But the cool thing about Paul is he actually tells us when we get to quit. Ah, this is good news. There is an end date to when you get to stop working in the nursery. There's an end date when you get to stop being a greeter. Here it is. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. That's not too bad. Let's talk about it. There's some benchmarks. Let's start looking for these. We are all unified in faith and knowledge in Jesus. That's when we can quit. Oh, wait, there's more. We're all mature. Not maturing. Mature. And we all look like Jesus. <laughs> so, I'm just looking at my own life for a second. I'm not dipping into yours. I ain't there yet. So, unless all y'all are, I'll quit and y'all be done. Y'all, We can all quit. <laughs> I'll go somewhere else because I'm still imperfect. I think we all would admit we're not there yet. We haven't reached these things. So guess what? If you're a note taker, we continue. We stay after it. We must all be committed to this thing together. People are going to change. In January of 2020, when I started here and I looked out across this room, I looked at different faces that I'm looking at now. Some of you have come since that time. Others have left. But guess what? The ministry keeps getting done. Because God's bigger than people. God's bigger than people. Miss Terry was worried about VBS this year. I don't know if we're going to have enough workers. In the seven year history of our church, we had more VBS workers than we ever had. And it's because... We're buying in. We're doing this together. This is good. This is good. This is what a church is supposed to be. And so my question for you, not for us as a church, because I think we are doing a lot of things well, but we gotta we got to ask the question now, what does this mean for me? Where are you not buying into the formula? Are you being infrequent to our worship gatherings? I'm going to tell you. The time that I stand behind this pulpit or Kenny does or whoever does, this is the one time a week where God, we believe that God anoints the most. We, we love small groups on, on Wednesday nights. We'll be starting those back up in August. And we, we love what we do now on Wednesday nights. We think it's really cool. And we believe it's effective and we believe it's sharpening. But the preaching of God's word, we believe to be the most sharpening you can get during the week. I'd encourage you to come back on Wednesday night too, though, because it's going to be fun this week. Do both. 
But this is what... So are you being frequent to our worship gatherings? This is where we do most of our equipping. If so, commit to change that. Commit to change that. Number two, are you treating the church like you're the end user? Are you coming just to get filled up and then go about your week and then come back and fill back up like you got a leaky gas tank? If so, commit to change that. Look for ways to serve other people. Serve here at this church. You can fill out the connect card in the back of the seat in front of you. Mark on the back. Find a way to serve at East. We'll reach out to you. We'll follow up with you. Drop it in the blue bucket on your way out or drop it by next steps. They'll get it in my hand. Another one. Have you grown tired and quit? Listen, our work is not done. We must keep on. Some of you have been here five years longer than me at this church. And I know sometimes we need to take a season of break. But just know that Satan's going to use that season of break. And he's going to try to stretch it and stretch it and stretch it. Y'all ever try to take a week off of eating good or going to the gym or doing anything productive? (laughs) It's hard to start back. I had conversations with some of y'all that, that you were talking about how hard it was to get back just in the rhythm of coming to church after COVID, after we shut down for it. It's hard. Like, we get out of a rhythm. It's hard to get back in it. But there are times where we need to take a season of, of rest. But rest up and get back before Satan uses it for terrible, terrible things. Get back after it. Or maybe you're unsure about the very first thing that Paul said. Verse 7. Christ has given gifts to each one of us. If you're in the room and you've never trusted in Jesus and you don't have the gift that I'm talking about, my sermon is not sharpening anything in you. It may be providing a a helpful message or like a self-help book would or a motivational speaker. (laughs) I make it encourage you, but I can't sharpen you because there's no gift in you. But let me remind you that The Bible says that you can have that gift by trusting in Jesus as your Savior. You can, today even. Today you can do that. What you may not realize is that God stands ready to change your heart and your life and make you effective for His kingdom. Your sin separates you from all that we talked about just now. That's what it does. It separates you from living as part of this church and as part of the kingdom because it separates you from God. But God made a way, sent Jesus to die in in your place. The death that you deserved, Christ took it. And today you can respond in faith and repentance. I don't know how, I don't know what, if there's any disconnects in the formula for you. But that's why we sing one more song. It's not just because, you know, We do have a talented worship team, but that's not why we do it, just to bring them back up one more time for an encore. That's not what this is. This is an opportunity for us to respond, for us to close our eyes if we need to and ask God, God, where is my formula jacked up? Help me make the commitments to fix it. I'm going to be down front uh, to the first part of the song, and then I'm probably going to slide right over here. 
Um, just so I'm not looking at y'all the whole time through the whole song. We'll have counselors by the back door as well if you'd rather go back there and talk to them. If there's anything you need to talk about, we would love to help you wrestle with that. You can come to the altar and lift up prayers for yourself or for other people in your life. Um, but we just want to help you take the next steps that, that God's laid out for you today based on the scriptures or based on anything else that he's showing you. So I'm going to say a prayer. And after I pray, if y'all will, stand with me um, after I pray, after I say amen. And, uh, and we're going to uh, respond however God leads. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, that, um, God, as we just saw, you didn't, you didn't save us and leave us alone. God, you gave us the spirit. God, with him come spiritual gifts that make us effective uh, for your kingdom here on earth. And you didn't even stop there, God. You gave us the church. And God, the church has a very unique, special purpose in the lives of believers. It's a place of equipping, a place of belonging, a place to be sharpened so that we can do the work that you've called us to do. God, I'm thankful for this local church. God, for the way that you've blessed, the way that you've used, God, the, the equipping that's gone on over the last 18 months since I've been here, God, and I know, God, that you want to continue to change lives through the ministries of this church and sharpen the, your people. God, I pray for the, the two or three families that are going through East 101 right now. God, joining this church family to come shoulder to shoulder with us and begin to serve and make a difference for the kingdom through Lindsay Laney's. I pray that you bless them, God, and, and, and let there be a fruitful time next door. God, I'm thankful for the opportunity to extend this response time to allow you to work in our hearts. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand. You can, you can respond however God leads.
seat there it is um i forgot which way i flipped the button hey so uh again i, I did forget to mention that earlier but do we do have east 101 this is like our fourth one this year um because god just keeps sending people our way they're like hey when's the next east 101 uh we never do it this frequently uh but we are because uh people just continue to want to be a part of our family here and so continue to pray for them um on your uh, on your uh handout when you came in um we did change that uh Man, we were the bulletin was being overrun with announcements, and so uh, we were trying to do announcements on here, announcements from the pulpit, announcements uh, on the slides, announcements um, on the website, and we we're just trying to simplify some things. And so, if you go to events.lindsaylaneese.org, you will find every bit of information that you can ever imagine. And if you're like, I don't do tech, stop by Next Steps, Miss Kathy will help you find any information that you need about events coming up. Okay, um, but it's a really, really cool uh, thing. There's a few things we want to mention though. This week, today, 3 to 5 p.m., um, you can, uh, in fact, I'm going to pull it up right here just so I can show you how simple it is. That's not, here it is. <laughs> it's simple. Vince out Lindsay Lane. So, East 101, are you that covered? Uh, Women's Work Day, uh, 3 to 5 p.m. at the Happy Wife Mini Storage. Uh, for home folks uh, that have been around here a long time, that's the old flea market, from what I've been told, I think. Okay? So, you can, but you can click on the, you can click on our website. You can find that information. Um, but today, uh, Bethany Reed, she's a member here. Her and some ladies um, started a, a closet, closed closet, and just a really, really cool uh, giving to those in need. And so today, at th- from three to five p.m., uh, our ladies from our church are just going to be going to help organize. If you don't know how these type things work, you bring in a lot of clothes because everybody wants to get rid of their stuff. But nobody wants to help organize <laughs> and help sort through all that stuff. And so uh, Miss Bethany uh, and her team do an awesome job. But you can um, you can go by there today. Uh, Felicia Inman is the contact on that. Um, if you don't have her information, if you have questions, they can give it to you at Next Steps. Um, but she's our women's uh, contact. Um, but that will be today. Just show up at 3 o'clock over there. They'll put you to work. It will be really awesome. This Wednesday night, uh, last Wednesday night, was our, our worship team led in worship. It was an incredible night. Man, it was so cool to be here. They all got to share their heart and their love uh, for for worship music. 
and then got to lead us in worship, and it was really, really cool, and, and very, uh, we were all right up here together, uh, sitting together. It was neat, and uh, something that I'll, I'll treasure for a long time, um, but this Wednesday night is going to be another really cool time. We're going to gather together for the reading of God's Word, not a sermon, I promise. We're going to be gathering together to read the Word of God together. You don't want to miss this Wednesday night. It'll be cool. Kids and youth stuff will be going on like normal. A big event to mention, Family Fun Day next Sunday. Man, um, God's been blessing our church with so many new faces. Um, we're, in, we're asking everybody who, if, even if it's your first time, second time, whatever, come be a part of this event um, and meet people. Because if you always come to the second first service, guess who you don't know? The first service people. And there's a bunch of them that don't know you. And so come to this day. This is a day we can't all fit in the sanctuary, but what we can do is all be at Camp Helen, have a pool, slip inside, cornhole tournament, kickball, wiffle ball games, and much, much more. Bring a chair and a side or dessert to share with everybody. Um, we'll have water, hamburgers, and hot dogs from the church, and it's just going to be a fun time. Four o'clock next Sunday afternoon. Um, everybody's welcome. And then the last thing, um, man, what, um, giving is such an important part of what we do. Right, like uh, even just the the stuff that we just Kenny was able to share with East One Hundred One. Guess what he he gave them all printed things. Guess what we couldn't do if we didn't give print stuff. Right, like our kids have curriculum. Our kids are enjoying air conditioning and lighting right now. Guess why? Because we've partnered our funds together and we give towards a common goal. And if you if you're if you would like more information about what your giving goes to or how you can give, here are some ways. Um, and we'd love to talk with you about that, but God has blessed so many, uh, he's blessed me, I know, and so I want to give back to the mission of God here at Lindsay Lane East, and so that we can see disciples here and around the world. You can give in the blue bucket on your way out today by Kyle Lines back there at the back. Um, Kyle's going to be gone. He's not going to be standing there creepily while you do it. Um, you can also give uh, on your phone, or you can go to the online giving tab on our website, or you can mail it. But if you'll go to this events.lindsaylaneeast.org, there'll be a giving tab right there, connect card tab. We've taken all, we've dummy-proofed this thing, okay? So go to that page for all information. All right, love you guys. I'm going to say a word of prayer, and we'll get out of here. Father, we thank you, uh, God, that um, you allow us to, to take part in the kingdom. And God, if any of us uh, were you, uh, we would do this differently. God, we would just want to be in control, and we would want uh, everything to rise and fall with us. But God, you trust human beings to partner with you really important things and God why you do it it's just an act of grace and mercy but God I'm I'm so blessed uh, and all of us are here God to be able to take part in in your mission here and around the world and so Father I pray that today has been a day that honors you um, from our kids building to East 101 to both services here in the sanctuary God I'm so thankful to be able to call East home and to be able to take part in the equipping that happens here God help us this week to do the work of ministry uh, that you laid out before us and come back Wednesday night and Sunday uh, to do that work here. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.